Dr. Alan Leica here, and I'd like to welcome you to How to Live a Fantastic Life Show, where we will be discussing the important aspects of your life. We hope to inspire you to live the best life you can. Get out of your comfort zone and explore the awesome world around you. Break through your barriers. Take inspired action. Use the difficulties in your life to achieve the best version of you. Ladies and gentlemen, I have a very special guest today. His name is Daniel Mengena, and he's a public speaker, a best-selling author, a broadcaster, and a coach. He is best known for his highly successful Micro to Millions program, being the author of Stepping Behind Intention and his do It With Dan and Beyond Success podcast. He is completely self-made and has spent decades perfecting his world-class coaching methodology. Welcome, Dan. Thank you for having me. So tell me, how did you get on this pathway? It sounds like you you made, you made it really easy, but you and I both know <laughs> the, path, the path there was not that easy. <laughs> First and foremost, I just want to make something very clear. You know, we probably heard about those people that were like, you know, I was in corporate and my soul was dying and I couldn't think of what I was going to do. I was pulling my hair out and I needed to change. I wasn't that person. I was actually really enjoying my life when I kept getting nudged to come and do this work that I do now. Um, I had a business that I enjoyed that wasn't taking much time. It was making me plenty of money, great circle of friends. Uh, my body was in good shape. Uh, health was good. I was traveling and having fun. So it was um, it was interesting that I actually avoided the prospect of doing this kind of work for about a year and a half, maybe two years uh, before I had quite a profound meditation experience where I got a glimpse that showed me that although life was good, there was something more that was available. And uh, having had that insight, I jumped in with both feet and uh, packed up everything, gave up my home and started traveling the world, teaching the work that I do today. Oh, that's fascinating. What exactly happened in that meditation that caused mm-hmm. you to change? So for me, it was interesting that I'd been on a seven-day meditation retreat and I hadn't really dropped in that week. I hadn't really got much from it. Um I was a little bit disappointed that I didn't have like this profound seven days meditating. I'm going to feel amazing and everything's going to be different, but it was kind of like, yeah, you know, seven days meditating, saw some friends and blah, blah. And it was actually the day after the retreat finished that I just said, Oh, you know, a few of us sometimes go out and do a walking meditation on the morning before we go home. It's about six o'clock in the morning. It was in Santa Fe, New Mexico. And for those of the listeners that aren't aware of what the web is like, at six o'clock in the morning in February in Santa Fe, New Mexico, it wasn't warm. Uh, I had hot pockets, thermals, two, three layers, earmuffs, gloves, hat, scarf, the works. So walking, doing this very, very cold early morning walking meditation. And I had, it was almost like a virtual reality simulation. It's like I got dropped in this virtual reality simulation. I got to see and feel and experience what it would be like if I committed to this path I was being invited to take. And uh, I literally walked away from that. I shut down the website for the business that I had and 
committed immediately to packing up everything and going and doing the work. Now that's that's pretty profound. That's that's pretty profound statement. Do you find that's how life usually happens? That it takes a phenomenal breakthrough for it to change a hundred a hundred and eighty degrees. I think if you're hard headed like I was at the time, then perhaps it does. But uh, the more open you are, the less dramatic things need to be. I mean, the most familiar with the story of Jonah and the whale. Like Jonah didn't have to spend three days in the stinky belly of a huge whale <laughs> in order to go and do what he was called to do. But because he was running away. There had to be the big storm and people nearly die on the boat and him get swallowed by the whale in order for him to end up where he was going. Um, for me, I had my drone in the whale time too. And that was what was called for me because I wasn't just listening. And so I think if we take the time to be more open, we take the time to, um, to be more curious and, and, and explore some of the things that we're being invited and called to do, then maybe we don't need such a dramatic uh, U-turn. So how can someone become a magnet for positive energy? Hmm. I think a lot of us wish that there was a magical wand that could be waved for us to be a magnet for positive energy. I think it's Tony Robbins that said, change doesn't take time. Change takes an instance. What it actually takes time is, what actually takes time is us getting ready to make the change. So to juxtapose those, those ideas, Becoming a magnet for positivity is a matter of making the choice to become a magnet for possibility, for positivity, but being ready to let go of the stories that we have, of, to heal the traumas that are in the way, to change our behaviors to match that experience. That's what takes time. Uh, and I think a preparedness and a commitment to becoming that magnet and a consistency in following through with the action steps, with the new thinking and with the new emotional, uh, and new emotional states that match that experience are what are called forward. Yeah, I agree with that. In fact, I've been reading some of the original works of Napoleon Hill. And mm. as everybody knows, Napoleon Hill wrote Think and Grow uh, Rich. But he's mm. also written dozens of other books that mm -hmm. put the principles together very well. And, mm -hmm. and one of the primary principles is you have to decide to do it. The mm -hmm. other one is you have to define your purpose and you have mm -hmm. to use that purpose in your life to define everything else. And without mm -hmm. defining that major purpose, you go nowhere. Mm -hmm. And I think sometimes we can also get lost in the pursuit of the purpose and not actually take the action after the purpose has been found or we can get so excited about finding the purpose that we don't actually find the purpose. So I think it's being purposeful in our pursuit of purpose. I think that's where the magic really is. Yeah, I, I agree with you there. <laughs> and I, I think it's also important to realize that our cognitive brain doesn't always take us there. Our subconscious mm -hmm. has to take us there. So mm -hmm. we have to prime our subconscious along the way because mm -hmm. it has infinitely more power than our conscious brain. Mm -mm -mm. And I think the numbers are, and, and don't quote me because I'm not a neuroscientist, but I think it's 10,000 to 10 million times the speed of the conscious mind. That's the, that's the processing power that we're talking about with the unconscious. So for every single conscious thought we have, there's been 10,000 to 10 million to, <laughs> unconscious thoughts. So if we don't have a buy-in at the unconscious level, it doesn't matter how committed you are consciously, there's going to be a, there's going to be roadblocks. You're still going to find the same uh, unconscious habits and behaviors, the same sabotage, the same procrastination. So there must be a buy-in at the unconscious level. 
the, the beautiful thing about the subconscious, though, is it can be primed. Oh, and yes. One of the skills that Napoleon Hill teaches to people is to tell the subconscious mind what you want it to do before you go to bed at night. And mm-hmm. that is one of the biggest things people do not do. They mm-hmm. do not spend that time reprogramming their subconscious brain. Mm-hmm. I mean, one of the reasons why probably we're invited to do it before bed is because that's when we're closest to theta. And theta brainwaves, well, alpha brainwaves are very potent, but theta brainwaves are very potent because the beta analytical function isn't there. And so you have more opportunity to drop things in to the unconscious. And when you do that with consistency, the neural pathways in the brain associated with that new programming take hold and you literally can rewire your brain uh, to function. This is why things like um, uh, Jose Silva's silver method is really great because it allows you to access those deeper levels of mind. Uh, certain meditation practices are very powerful because they allow you to access those, those parts of the mind. And I think, you know, when people understand what's behind the suggestion from, um, from Napoleon Hill of that auto-suggestion reprogramming, which is accessing the brain when it's most available for new inputs and do so consistently, then that reprogramming will come, come in effectively and, and they will get a change. Yeah. So what are some of the other biggest roadblocks that stand in the way of abundance? In my experience, abundance is about is, is an outcome. OK, so abundance is an outcome and an outcome requires that we be aligned with that outcome with all of who we are. And all of who we are isn't just thinking. There's also emotional state. Uh, which some people can tie in and make it about our spiritual disposition or energy or what have you. We've also got our, our habits and our behaviors, but we've also got our programs going on. And so we've got all of these different pieces. And so I find that generally speaking, uh, I've witnessed that people generally have at least one or two of these things out of alignment with abundance. A lot of people that I end up speaking to are probably, I mean, probably the kind of person who's going to be listening to this podcast. They're committed to their growth. They're committed to their personal development. They're committed to being the best version of themselves. And so they're probably working very hard on one or two areas. Maybe they're really diligent in their mindfulness practice. Maybe they are very diligent in the auto-suggestion or some other kind of mindset practice. Or maybe they just work really hard. But unless we're doing all of these things in concert and uh, in um or working together, moving towards reconnecting with our natural state of abundance, then you're going to get stuck. And so I would say just anyone who's listening to this, take the opportunity to ask yourself, am I just focused on one area or am I taking care of all of the parts of me in pursuit of my connection to abundance? Well, that's huge. I I, I think that's very important. Now you speak about an abundance pyramid. What do you mean by that? Mm -hmm. So there are different phases. So I, I, I like to put everything into, um, into manageable steps. It's a concept I teach called micro shifting. Uh, and it's very easy for me to say, oh, let's go and be abundant or let's go and be wealthy. But what are the phases that we naturally progress through in order to get to that space? And, and, and I call that the, the pyramid or the triangle of abundance. And so at the bottom, we've got scarcity. And scarcity isn't just about not having money because there are people who have got a lot of money that are still in the space of scarcity. Scarcity by definition is not having the mental, emotional, and physical capacity to meet your daily needs. So this could be someone who's making a hundred thousand a day, but if you're spending 200 a day or you've got debts of 500 or you're making that money, but you don't have any, uh, any time or energy left or you're burning out doing so, then you're still in scarcity. 
the first place that we want to get to from scarcity is, is stability. So stability, I've got the resources mentally, physically, and emotionally to live life on my own terms, but my time and energy are required in exchange for that. So it could be that I'm working in my business or that I've got a career or got a job. Once we've established stability, then what we want to do is move to freedom. So freedom is stability with one key difference. My time and energy are not required in order to enjoy that. So it could mean that I've got a real estate portfolio. It could be that I work on my business instead of in it. It could be that I've got investments or that I've got sufficient capital that I don't need to go out and do more. Once we've moved beyond freedom, where our needs are being met, then we're moving into abundance when we have overflow. All our needs being met, an overflow that allows me to give freely to others without my needs being impacted. Well, that's huge. And and I think it's always good to get enough abundance that you can give freely to others. Mm -hmm. And that, I think, is something that people should always strive towards and do on a regular basis and give Mm -hmm. to others because that Mm -hmm. allows your own abundance to increase. Agreed. So let's go through that other concept you have of micro shifting. Let's, Mm -hmm. Let's delve into that a little bit more. So micro shifting um, initially came from my signature program, which is micro to millions. And in micro to millions, we take people from zero to 1.6 million and beyond in as little as, uh, as a year. And the key thing about that is that once you're in the program, you don't need to add another penny and you only move to the next step once you've completed the step that you're on. And so the general principle is that there are 14 steps between zero and 1.6 million. And you don't need to go all the way to 1.6 million. Some people stop at six figures. I've had some people stop once they've paid their debts off. Some people stop when they've cleared their mortgage. But it's about understanding that any big goal, when broken down into small steps, can be achievable. And when we understand that those small steps can be something really tiny, it doesn't have to be something big, then again, we can understand that we can always get to where we want to go. An example would be a a chap that I worked with a few years ago. He was procrastinating and really stuck in wanting to be a coach. That's what he wanted to do. And yet he he said, I'm just not taking any steps. But I said to him, go and buy a journal. And he said, buy a journal? I said, yeah, go and buy a journal. So he bought the journal. He goes back down, I bought the journal. I said, okay, put it by your bed. He says, what do I do next? I said, just put it by your bed and then call me tomorrow. He said, okay, put it by his bed. I said, every day for the next, I can't remember how long I told him for a week or something. I said, when you wake up, before you go to bed, I want you to pick up that journal and put it down. Pick up the journal and put it down. I said, just trust me. He did it. Then I had him pick it up, write a word about something, uh, how he felt for the day going forward or for the day that he'd just gone through. He's, he's baffled. I'm giving him these really, really minimal steps. And then I said to him, now what I want you to do is I want you to go back and I want you to journal about exactly why you've been procrastinating. But by then, he developed, number one, a momentum towards the goal. Number two, uh, a discipline of actually picking up his journal and putting it down and a relationship with it. And number three, he developed a relationship of trust with me that what I was going to, that was telling him to do was actually going to impact him. He was able to work out exactly what was in his way. He's now got two books, one of them a bestseller. He's got a podcast, a YouTube video, and he's changing lives. But it started with him just buying a journal. All of us, no matter how big the task or how big the goal, have something as minimal as just going to buy a journal. And when we just stick to that very minimal thing, but do that consistently over a period of time, we'll always get to the end goal. Yeah, I I think it's very important that the old Chinese proverb, I think Confucius said, 
a journey of a million steps starts with one step. Mm-hmm. And don't take that one step. You're never going to start <laughs> on that journey. You're never yeah. going to start on that pathway of change. Exactly, exactly, exactly. So so first, I think the whole process starts like this. You have to decide to change, and then you mm-hmm. have to attempt to change. And mm-hmm. yes, you might fail. Mm-hmm. Definitely you might fail. But that's the key to success. Because mm-hmm. if you fail, you modify it and you try mm-hmm. something else. Mm-hmm. I mean, failure, I think, only really exists when you stop trying. Right? Up until then, it's just bumps in the road. The, a natural course of, of living. A natural course of doing this thing that we call life. Um, I was even speaking to someone the other day. Is that The average multimillionaire in the U.S. has has been bankrupt twice. So if you've only bankrupted once, then you're only halfway, <laughs> halfway there. You need another one on average, right? And, and once we see things as just bumps in the road instead of full stops or brick walls, then there's a different mindset that's being employed as well. And that mindset will actually empower us to go and do something different, to keep going, to keep plugging away, and to recognize that life isn't one-dimensional. There is always going to be these, these textures of, of, uh, and contrasts that show up. And it's making our way through those that's going to get us all the way to the end. Yeah. You know, Thomas Edison, as he was inventing the light bulb, kept on trying and he failed thousands of times. 10,000. I think all, 10, all he said was, I just found another way that didn't work yet. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, so a person that's usually successful is one that doesn't take no and always is resilient. Uh, Henry Ford when he put his team of engineers together to build the automobile, they began with, this is crazy. You're never going to be able to do this. There's no way you can do that. Then about month nine, they said, oh, it's self-evident. It's so easy. This is what <laughs> we have to do. <laughs> so, so all those failures along the way paved their way to success. Mm-hmm. And and I I think people have to realize that. Mm -hmm. Well, this show is called the How to Live a Fantastic Life Show. So how do you, Daniel and Gina, live a fantastic life? One day at a time, Dr. Leica, one day at a time. Um, One day at a time, one choice at a time. Um, One decision at a time, one choice at a time. I mean... First and foremost, I think a fantastic life is one that enjoys all of life, including the the lows. Right? If we're just tied to the idea that the fantastic life is one that's just going to be one way all the time, I don't want to say it's delusional, but it's probably a little bit delusional because nothing goes according to our personal plans all the time. Things go quote unquote awry. But I find that when I can take all of those experiences and enjoy them as being a part of the journey, then all of it can be fantastic. Yeah, I think that's important. And is that the same advice you give for others on how to live a fantastic life? Or would you incorporate some of your principles along the way? Well, I think we need to start with that understanding before we even set off. I mean, one of the very first things that we do is we want to define what a fantastic life is for us as an individual. Because what's a fantastic life for me might not necessarily be a fantastic life for Sally or Bob. We've all got our own experiences, our own desires, our own proclivities, our own interests, and those are going to form a part of our own fantastic life. 
But again, if I'm going off to go and design that life, not understanding that there will be bumps in the road, then I'm setting myself up to fail or disappointment at least. So getting that mindset first and then moving on and looking at what that life looks like for me. We've got a process that we take people through called the Ideal Life Blueprint. Uh, we do that through a workshop that we run every now and then. Uh, and once we've got that Ideal Life Blueprint, then we can start looking at the alignment to it uh, and the journey and how we stay on track one day at a time. That's huge. Now, if you met a younger version of yourself on the street, mm -hmm. what advice would you give that person? I met a younger version of myself in the street. Enjoy the ride. Definitely enjoy the ride. I'm one of those weird people that kind of accepts that everything that's happened has led me to where I am right now. And this was part and parcel of what came to me in that meditation experience that I shared with you earlier, that every single bump in the road had led to the moment where I got to see that beautiful experience. Every single bump in the road. And so I wouldn't change anything but I'd certainly change my, invite myself to change my perspective on the things that happen. And that's why I say enjoy the ride. And I think that's important for people to realize, you know, life is a journey. Life is a mm -hmm. tremendous thing. And just the fact that we're living it is, is fantastic. Just the fact that we're here and experiencing it is fantastic. So mm -hmm. I think people should optimize it as much as they can. And, and mm -hmm. do the best they can with the experience so that right. they can get, oh, you know, it should be a wonderful, amazing, fantastic day every day. Mm -hmm. Agreed. Not, not Agreed. one where they say, how are you doing? Uh, okay. You know, that's, <laughs> I think people are cheating themselves when they say things like that. Mm -hmm. Agreed. Yeah. How can people find out more about you, your world? In your programs? Um, everything's over at dreamwithdan.com, dreamwithdan.com. Head over to Dream With Dan. We've got some free resources. Uh, the events tab will let you know things that are going on. We've normally got some kind of cool class. Uh, uh, at the point of recording this, we've got a cool challenge we're doing the ne next week. We just did an excellent uh, fun summit last week. And we generally try to keep, uh, keep the audience satiated with something fun that's going to empower them to live a more abundant, joyful, purpose-driven life but it's dreamwithdan.com. Oh, that's huge. And, and I'm so glad you kept it as a simple URL because it's <laughs> so complicated. You know, people just can't even find them on, on exactly. the web. So keeping it with Dream with Dan is huge for people mm -hmm. to find. I'm very blessed to find that domain. I'm very blessed indeed. Yes. So Dan, I got to thank you for being here today. And I thank you for for your time with us. Are there any parting words you'd like to say before we leave? Just to reiterate to everybody that um, A, life is a journey. It's not going to be one way all the time. And just to ensure that they remember that abundance and a fantastic life can be your norm. It doesn't have to be something that you kill and or, or get yourself killed trying to go and go and pursue. It can be something that naturally and normally shows up for you. But you're going to need to get clear on what you want. Make sure it's something that you're clear about and just take it a day at a time enjoying the journey. Yeah, I think it was a Napoleon Hill that said it best. If you can believe it and conceive it, you can achieve it. Indeed. And ladies and gentlemen, thank you for checking with us as well. And please be sure to check back often as we have some phenomenal guests. Thank you. Have a fantastic day. 
You've been listening to How to Live a Fantastic Life. Be sure and pick up a copy of Dr. Laika's book, The Secrets to Living a Fantastic Life, on Amazon.com. And you'll want to subscribe right here on this page so you don't miss a single episode. Have a fantastic day. Fantastic day.